It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Whitney Lordson. I feel absolutely giddy to start this episode. (laughs) Roland, I think you might have hit the record for the most time spent talking before I hit record on an episode with a guest because it's fairly common for me and a guest to talk for 20 minutes. Sometimes we go 30, 40, but crossing the hour mark and plus, (laughs) you and I have been talking for an hour and 45 minutes and that was supposed to be like our entirety of our time together. Yeah, with outros, intros, banter. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm just delighted to connect with you. I was so excited about this episode because I think this is my last episode I'm recording with a guest in 2022. And so this is fun, right? But also, I feel like I know you because of TikTok. And for the listener, that is how I got to know Roland, was just watching his videos about camping, about just outdoor adventures. And for those of you who have listened to the show for quite some time, that became a big passion of mine in 2020 when I did this big camping trip. I had never really been camping before Roland. And my friend suggested that we do a cross-country trip. And because it was during a heightened time of the pandemic, we thought it would be safer and much cheaper to camp along the way. And the things I had to learn about camping were like quite shocking because you don't know a lot about those experiences until you do them. Oh, yeah. There's a huge learning curve of stuff you would never think of, like the most basic of things. You don't think of it until you're there and you're like, oh, crap, I forgot or I didn't do or I need or I should have packed. I've been through all those (laughs) questions in my head on the campsite, kicking myself in the butt. (laughs) With your videos, so to set this up for Roland's videos on TikTok, they're so thorough. They're fun. Sometimes he does like vlog style journal type videos. Sometimes they're camping gear reviews. Sometimes it's poetry. There's so much in that outdoor world that Roland has covered in a very short amount of time because I learned today that he's only been on TikTok for, I think, maybe eight months or so since what, April, 2022, April of 2022. Yeah. Very short amount of time. The ground that you've covered pun intended is really remarkable. And it's so wonderful because for someone like me, who's still pretty early in, in this outdoorsy experience that I've been embracing more and more, I find so much value because I'm learning about all sorts of things to buy, but you also Speak so frankly and honestly and down to earth. You're known for your poop video, for example. Yeah, you became, really. I don't know if that was the first one I saw of yours, but certainly on the early days of you talking about how you poop while camping. Yeah, 100%. And 
people got really into it. What do you think it was about that video that drew so much interest? And I think it was, and what a lot of my videos that do well, it's pain points of camping. It's really humbled me and grounded me because when I first started my TikTok, I wanted to make videos about all these this cool, I guess like it'd be like experienced campers gear and oh, this is super niche and this makes your like camping experience cool, like above head lighting, blah, 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 blah. But one of the most simple things that our bodies do that is go to the bathroom. And so many people, that was one of my first videos that got quite a bit of traction. And so many people were like, oh my gosh, thank you. This is like what's preventing me from going camping, especially dispersed camping. Because yes, a lot of times that like developed campsites like state parks, national parks, they do have either pit toilets or regular restrooms. But another thing I found out is people, me too, are scared to death of those bathrooms because sometimes they're horrific inside. So I always say on my videos, I'd rather deal with my germs Especially during 2020, like during the pandemic, I'd rather deal with my germs than everybody else's germs. So I was like, wow, okay, basics. Let's get back to basics 101. And so I had no problem. I was like, I'll be the poop camping guy on TikTok. I was like, this is cool. Like, I fully embrace that. And then now I'm trying to get like this hashtag epic poo view because every time when I take people camping and they have to use the bathroom in the middle of the night, I love the luggable loo because I say, it's the middle of the night. I say, take this 20 yards that way. Do your business under an epic starscape, not enclosed within walls or a porta potty. Just look up while you're doing and you will come and everybody comes back. Wow. That was the most epic poo of my entire life. I'm like, yeah, see, it'll change you. That's an experience you don't really think about. And it can be so great. Or if you don't have a plan to go to the bathroom, it can be so bad. Oh, my gosh. Where you and I were talking earlier about like how we wish that we had been connected to more like minded people earlier on. We were specifically discussing around like TikTok, like we were wishing we had a community of TikTokers that we trusted and we can go to with questions as content creators. And I feel that way right now. Where were you in September 2020 when my friend and I did this road trip and we made the decision like we're going to avoid public bathrooms because we were hearing at the time about this possibility of spreading. And it's not just COVID. It can be all sorts of things like yeah, germs. It's, it's just poopy germs. That's what it is. Yeah, exa- <laughs> exactly. And like what COVID has done is open my eyes to like how germs work. And when somebody flushes a toilet and all the germs that go into the air, for example, and how transmission of certain things is spread more through our sewer systems. And I certainly became a little bit more concerned about those things. And so on my travels, we started back then avoiding that. And number one was like, as women, how do we pee? Because for guys... And I know you don't have to worry about this, Roland, but you travel a lot with your girlfriend. I'm curious about her experience. There's the public exposure and there's also, it might not be as socially acceptable for a woman to pee in certain places that they're used to seeing men pee. Yeah, by the road on the interstate. Somewhere out there. You guys all the time doing it. And it's all All the time. It's kind of like funny. Oh, look at that guy. (laughs) But if a woman. But if you see a woman. Yeah. Yeah, it's a double standard for sure. And so plus like the privacy of we were like rigging up. It was a huge part of our trip. And then when it came to poop, 
that was a much more challenging thing that we were like, neither one of us have ever had to figure that out. Digging the holes and not knowing the distance between, what do they call it? It's called a cat hole. Water, a trail, cat hole. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) How deep it has to be. How did you learn all of that? You have a really fascinating history with even going towards like your study and with the Pacific Crest, is it Crest? Pacific Crest Trail. PCT. Yeah, the PCT. Crest Tail. Yeah, so I actually, I went to school at UCSD and I was in the McNair Scholar and I had to pick something to do a project on. And at the time, I've always camped since I was younger. I was lucky enough that my parents took me camping and I always grew up hiking in San Diego and Southern California. We're so fortunate enough to have even like neighborhood hikes around. So I was like, I had no clue I wanted to do it on. So I decided to do the Pacific Crest Trail. Because I wanted to do a whole section of it. And I thought, what a what better way than to do some research on it? I got a research stipend, so that was cool. I was able to buy some new camping gear. And I basically the section A, which is from Campo to about Warner Springs, is like the first section of the Pacific Crest Trail. I spent quite a bit of time in 2016 doing the whole thing from point one to section A, and then going back and forth and doing what they call trail angeling which is basically or on the AT is called trail magic on the Appalachian trail where you just help hikers out in any way. A lot of people go out there and leave gallons of water. Some people leave phone numbers for if they need a ride somewhere, they leave snacks in boxes because especially in the first section in California, it's so dry depending on the rain, there's not a lot of water sources, even if you are filtering. So I trail angel out there and I learned all of this stuff about from hygiene to And this is all backpacking. So I guess, I don't know if they use the term like ultralight anymore. So digging a cat hole and you have to be a certain amount of feet, yards away from the trail, away from a water source, away from a campsite that people camp in. And it has to be a certain amount deep in the ground. You're not supposed to, even if it's biodegradable, you're not supposed to bury toilet paper. You're supposed to pack all that out. They call them like, I think at the time they called them like white blossoms. Oh, did you see all those white blossoms? It was like, oh yeah, it's just all these people leaving their toilet paper on the trail. So that was the different thing with hikers going back and forth. But that's how I started my outdoor journey, which eventually led to thinking about all those things, how to do while camping or in nature or when hiking. And now I have the whole, if you check out the video that I do have, it's a whole like system with a five gallon bucket and a privacy tent. So it's not ultralight, but it's more mainly for car camping or families. Or like I said, we even use it on road trips if there's an emergency And a lot of some of my viewers, too, are from that kind of prepper side of TikTok, which isn't really that outdoorsy and preppers side kind of mesh together. And I saw some of those people in my comments. I was like, wow, this is reaching. Who thought pooping outside would reach such a wide audience and have so many concerns? Totally. And I love that you mentioned the disaster prepping side of it, too, because that is actually a big benefit that I've learned Because every once in a while, I'll fall on that side of TikTok of the disaster prep. And some of the content can be a bit scary, but incredibly helpful. Oh, yeah. Especially around 2020. Yeah. yeah. It's good to have a plan or at least know, be familiar with how to do something. Exactly. Yeah. California, where you and I live, we've got earthquakes in certain parts of the country. There's so many examples of natural disasters where you could be left without power for days, without a water source. People... Speaking of cars, there was a story, I think, in, I don't know if it was in 2022 or 2021, of somewhere on the East Coast, on one of the major highways during winter, there was 
like a huge accident or something. And people were stuck in their cars for, I think, at least 12 hours. And their car is probably going to run out of gas. They're trying to figure all this stuff out. And if they don't have any sort of prep there, not only in terms of food, I think people often cover the bases in their food, their car of, okay, what if I get injured? And they might have the first aid kit in there. But like, do you have an extra sweater? Do you have a blanket? What are you going to do if you get really cold? What are you going to do if you, you're stranded and you need water and food? And doing all these trips has helped me think through these basic needs like you're talking about. And then speaking of going to the bathroom too, if you just always keep this gear in your car, it's always going to come in handy for something. Even if you're stuck in traffic, right? And you desperately need to go to the bathroom. Oh yeah. You're always ready to go. Yeah. yeah literally. Yeah. <laughs> I borrowed a lot of that mentality cut from the preppers i guess if we really want to get back to it once i when i started watching walking dead in 2015 it got me just like thinking about preparing a little bit and really get into what they call like edc which is like everyday carry so things you'll need on hand throughout your daily life prepping is a whole science that i'm not very well versed in but a lot of times they say if you know at the drop of the hat anything were to happen could you survive or could you get home if you're at work Within for the first 12 hours of something happening, like you said, all those cars were stuck for 12 hours. You should have at least be able to sustain yourself for 12 hours or have a plan to get to where you need to be or like a safe spot, especially if you have children and they're at school. Just having some kind of plan and maybe brushing up on that plan twice a year. Cell phones go down and all that kind of stuff. It really helps. And a lot of that is kind of blends into camping and just being exposed to that type of knowledge and that type of planning because going out and having a really good camping experience does require quite a bit of planning, especially if you are someone or going camping with someone that isn't used to the outdoors or doesn't know if they'll like the outdoors. It could get pretty complicated, but there are those of us that can just go out with a couple cliff bars and a sleeping bag and sleep on the floor. And I've done that quite a bit too, but it's good to it's good to one of the goals of my channel is to get more people comfortable outside and there's all different comfort levels of being in the outdoors. So I always say if I can keep someone warm, bed and comfortable outside, they'll have a higher chance of wanting to go outside. Therefore, hopefully caring about the environment, but even if it's not for those bigger level things, just I think being outside just is good for your soul. It's good for your spirit. Part of my research on the Pacific Crest Trail was looking at the transformative aspects of long-distance hiking. And there's something that I came across. The Japanese are on the cutting edge of outdoor research, something called Shinrin-yoku. And I think you mentioned this in one of your podcasts. There was a book you were listening to. Yes, I think it's called The Nature Fix. It's such a good book. That's what it is. I had that in one of my other notebooks from listening to your, your podcast. But just being outside, they've seen, can lower your cortisol levels within 20 minutes. And you don't have to be hiking, you don't have to be climbing, you don't have to be going on a walk, but just being outside. And I think some of the studies that we're trying to look at, if being away from like non-linear right angle like things and like more organic shapes is like easier on your, your mind, so like your cortisol levels start to, start to drop and it's within 20 minutes. And just being mindful outside can like, in as you, everybody knows in this day and age, cortisol levels and anxiety is so high with people that anything we can do to just bring that down, recenter ourselves, I think is great. So that's the bigger goals of my channel is that it starts at poop. There's so much anxiety is pooping outside. So 
easing all those in that long road to just getting people to be comfortable and having a good time outside. (laughs) That's so wonderful because I think of people that have been very perplexed and sometimes curious about my travels. And I'm curious if this comes up for you, Roland. Are people a bit taken aback when they hear about all the adventures that you do? Because maybe it's the people that you know. I guess since it's a relatively new thing for me, I'm not surrounded by a lot of people like you yet. I'm surrounded by my friends that I've had for 10 plus years. And they're like, why are you all of a sudden doing all these round trips and camping? And like, they don't get it. A hundred percent. Even my friends, I have a really close group of friends that I've known for 20 plus years. And so they've seen like an easy transition of it for me. I do a lot of solo camping. And even my mom is a very nature-based person, so she gets it. But like my dad's, what are you doing going out for a few days or when I'm hiking for a week at a time with nothing? (laughs) It's like, why would you do that? But I think so. And it's so weird for me, like sometimes like I'll meet new friends and I'll invite them camping and I didn't realize how weird that is. People are like, is this guy going to murder us in the wilderness? But it's just something that's so natural for me. I don't even think twice about it. But then now stepping back when people say, yeah, when I first met you and I didn't know who you were and like how much you camp, I thought I was like, that's why is this guy inviting me to camping? This is weird. And then now my friends are like, oh, yeah, dude, they always want to go camping with me. I literally tell everybody because I go so often, I'm going to stop inviting you just know that you're welcome because I don't want to pester you every other weekend to go camping. I mean that you do things on another level which I really admire and part of me is like wow I should add that to my 2023 goals because I feel like I do this as like almost an annual pilgrimage. I don't know if pilgrimage is the right term. For me, it's like a tradition now of going out across the country and seeing all my family and friends, and they still are a bit perplexed. They're like, why are you out here? What are you doing? Why are you doing this every year? I keep, Three years in a row, get, getting so many questions. What if I did it more frequently like you is something I've started to ponder, especially because in Southern California or California in general is just such a phenomenal state for nature in ways that I didn't even fully realize until probably 2022 when I decided I wanted to check off some things on my list, certain parks and places in the state. And one thing I love about TikTok is the abundance of travel content. And I got into the habit probably about a year and a half ago of when I saw a TikTok video of someone raving about a place they went... I go instantly to Google Maps and I mark it on there. And on Google Maps, you can write these notes and keep it all organized. And last year, I went through all of my TikTok notes and maps and tried to plot out like how many places I could visit. And a ton of them were in California. And I've been living in California since 2004, I think. And my mind was blown how little of the state I'd seen. So for you, Roland, since you travel so much, you grew up out here. Do you feel like you've seen the majority of California yet? You know what, Whitney? Here's something that's so funny that people are always shocked about because even watching all my videos, I am a like a San Diego connoisseur of camping. I rarely go out of San Diego to camp. I went to Yosemite for the first time this year, and that's because like my cousin won one of the campground lotteries. That's actually one of my goals for the coming year is to camp outside of my comfort zones. 
is because it's so funny you say that because all my videos are from within two hours of my house. And I would love to go out. I feel the same. I need to go out and explore more of California. It's so fascinating how easily it is. it can be to get in our comfort zones. And also you're pointing out how we can have like assumptions about people and then they reveal the truth and you're like surprised by it. And what you've been able to do in such a small area of the country is also really impressive to me because you probably know every inch of your area, whereas I'm still surprised at certain streets that are like not that far from me, like just walking around and exploring your neighborhood. That was something else that surprised me on some of these trips. A great example is when I went to visit my family in Ohio. I've been going to the Cleveland area my whole life because I have family out there. And it wasn't until last year that I found out there was a national park. And I'm still in this moment like, what? My whole life, I've never been there and I didn't know it existed. And I told my cousin, hey, can we go to this national park? I want to check it off my park list. And she's sure. And it was like a half an hour drive. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? We're just like casually at some national park versus you mentioned Yosemite. Like that feels like such a huge undertaking. Yosemite is just so majestic, but also it's competitive to get into some of these parks. Like you have to play a lottery. You have to figure out where to camp. And depending on the season you go, like it can be extremely overwhelming to go to some of the national parks. Oh yeah, a hundred percent. And I think that's one of the things that still love, like the basis of it. I just love being outside. Like when I get my camp set up, whether I'm solo or by myself, it doesn't matter where I am. Like, and I truly mean that. I know it sounds weird to say. I just love cracking a nice beer, having a nice fire, and just looking at trees. Like, it doesn't matter where the trees are. Like, don't get me wrong. Yosemite and all the big, the big national parks that are just beautiful and Instagram worthy are, they're an experience in themselves. But I love my little close to home campgrounds that I know. Some of them I know, like, the, I know the camp hosts and like the animal. Literally, there's a campground that I go to where I have a skunk that visits me almost every time I'm there, if I'm in the same campsite. And then I was talking to the camp host there and he's, oh yeah, that he had a name for him. I forgot, but he'll come around. Don't leave any food out. That's what he's looking for. And then he was telling me about these, it's these ducks that were like a mating pair of ducks that have been coming for the past three years. And he's like, yeah, that's probably those duckling, those ducklings from last year. When we have water, they come back. And this isn't a, this is just some little hole in the wall campsite off the trail that I just recently found in the past couple of years. And the camp host just has such a big heart and he's been there for 20 years taking care of this campsite. He's retired and he lives in a town close. So I think that undertaking, like when you see people or like overlanders, especially on these big trips with these huge, all this gear and all these trucks and everything looks beautiful. It feels like an undertaking that's, if you've never been camping, it feels impossible. Like I'm never going to get there. So I'm an advocate for do things easy. If you can rent gear, if you have friends that you can borrow stuff, go to a local campsite. Counties have campsites, state parks have campsites, not national forests. So not national parks. There's so many different ways. And that's one of the biggest questions I get is how to find campsites. And it's really confusing 
because every site is different. If you find me on one of my lives, that's what I do sometimes. I try to help people find campsites. But yeah, just getting out there, take, make sandwiches at home and go out. You don't have to make like the steaks on this expensive grill that even I have videos like that. Because when I first started my TikTok, it was geared towards stuff like that. In my last video, I'm like, look, I actually, I bought this burrito at Fraser Farms. I didn't even make it at home. I'm just going to heat it up. It doesn't have to be super crazy. So yeah, I'm like, I'm such a creature of habit, local spots with eat that are easy. That's my biggest thing, especially when I'm solo. I like being easy. When I roll out all the gear and all the, like I said, I'm trying to get people to feel comfortable, have a good experience. That's when we do the really nice dinners and this and that, but it doesn't have to be all that. It can just be get, pick up pizza to go and eat that for two days, (laughs) some instant oatmeal. (laughs) I'm so grateful that you're covering this because sometimes I wonder, based on the way I do things, which is I spend so much time planning. I spend time saving money and it's just every year becomes bigger and more extensive for me. And in general, sometimes when I share all these details, I feel like it overwhelms people. I'm grateful for you sharing the simple side of it too and reassuring people that it doesn't have to be so complicated. I don't even know what the term overlander means, by the way. I think I saw you mention it in a video and I was like, what, what is that? That's, it's also a controversial term. I feel like the, out I do overland, the best explanation I've heard is vehicle dependent travel. Usually you're going out to campsites like national forest areas, Bureau of Land Management. So that means you are taking everything that you need to camp. So you can roll up to a bare patch of land and you have your tables, your fire pit, your lighting, your electricity, your bathroom, your stuff, your water to drink, your water to wash clothes. So they're basically going to places with zero amenities. So vehicle dependent travel. But there is a whole community that will be like, oh, that's not overlanding or overlanding's this, or you have to go a thousand miles to be considered overlanding, whatever. I think vehicle dependent travel is something that I'm comfortable with saying that I think is a good explanation of it. Oh God. So technically that's what I do then because I usually sleep in my car. I have this whole bathroom set up in there, which is, you might find funny because with all these different definitions, I sometimes will try to go to RV parks. My car is electric. So a huge benefit to the RV parks is that I can charge my car there. And that helps me save money sometimes because it can be, it's an all-in-one price. Although as you roll in, like the pricing of camping is really fascinating and how that differs from place to place. So I guess what you consider cheap is really relative. My point being, (laughs) every time I go to an RV park, I have to call and explain, like, I don't have an RV. (laughs) I have a little electric sedan and... One time somebody said, well, we're, we don't allow that because we need to have everything contained. And they were implying like the bathroom. And in my head, I'm like, okay, but I literally have three toilets, like three different ways of going to the bathroom. I'm not going to dump it on your land. Like I know how to carry out, as you were saying, like I know the rules and like, exactly. And this one place turned me away because they said, I take your word for it, but we just can't allow it because we've had such bad experiences. And I find that so heartbreaking because I think it's 
a lot of the prices go up or the rules change because not everybody treats places with respect. And I wonder, is that because of ignorance or is it because of like selfishness? So you're bringing up a whole nother topic that is very controversial, which is basically sharing some like locations that you camp on public platforms, especially TikTok. It's very controversial because what will happen is, I think it happened in Alabama Hills in 2020. A couple big posts went super viral. People that, and like I said, who knows if they don't know if they don't know what they're doing, if they don't know the rules, if they don't care. Some people are just a-holes that don't care. Some people just honestly don't know. Regardless of why, they had to close it down because there was just so much trash and just destruction out there. And like pin dropping is a huge controversial thing. And a lot of people use the term like there's the side of the fence that says they don't share anything. And there's the side of the fence that say that those people are gatekeeping. So I see I honestly see both sides of it. And my biggest thing is like I see so many videos that talk about gatekeeping or also videos sharing places. But I didn't see a lot of videos of people telling people how and showing people how to properly explore the outdoor spaces. So that's where I was like, before I even get into this conversation or even or share locations, I want to give as much information so that people are prepared, respectful of the land and the other people camping out there. Because I feel like that was really missing in the conversations. It wasn't, should we share? Or we should not share spaces. What about let's educate people to share spaces because it's not everybody's just an a-hole. Some people just honestly don't know. If you go camping somewhere and you weren't brought up or you weren't taught that, I don't want to quote unquote gatekeep that information. So I want to put get that put that out there. And sometimes it can be a safety thing too. If you are going to places that are on off-road roads or or forest trails and you're not ready for the weather, you're not ready for the road conditions and someone gets stranded out there, but they're trying to get there because they saw it on TikTok because it's a beautiful spot, that can be very dangerous for the people there. And if they block the road, the people coming down the mountain. So it's a whole can of worms, but but that contributes to campgrounds being overflowing or so camp prices that we're talking about. I think in 2022, all state parks just went up $10. And I think that was because since 2020, the huge influx of people out there, the park rangers have to, there's more facilities being used. There has to be more cleanup. There has to be more maintenance on the trails around the campgrounds. So it makes sense. But like I said, one of my goals is to get more people outside that haven't been outside but I want them to be prepared. I want them to feel like they have a connection with the land. I want them to feel like they can leave it better than they found it so that we don't really engage with, I feel like, the heated conversation about sharing locations on public platforms. I would rather have people be informed. I really appreciate that. And that's such a beautiful mission that you have because it's interesting how many people are feeling disconnected from not just nature, but themselves. And as you mentioned, there's so many impacts that nature can have on our mental health. There's a viral trend on, or sound, I think, on TikTok about how important it is to see water. Have you seen that one? I forget what the phrasing was, but it, and we're so fortunate in Southern California to have the ocean right there. And there are plenty of people in the country that yearn for that. And someone like me who never goes to the ocean just out of sheer, I don't want to say laziness, but it's like for me where I live in Los Angeles, it's a trek 
to get out there and it takes a lot of time and energy. You sounds live very close walking distance to the ocean and you do so much camping there. Do you feel big benefits on your mental health from that? Is there a noticeable shift every time you go out to the water and crack open that beer and set up that fire? So I honestly say yes to that. I really believe that because not, and I'm extremely fortunate. So not only do I camp a lot and that includes like beach camping in Carlsbad when I can get a camp reservation there. So I actually work for a city in San Diego that is on the beach and I am actually uh, on the beach maintenance team. So I am on the beach literally all the time, like driving on the beach all the time. And I think I attribute a lot of that be- feeling so good. Honestly, like, I don't think I would consciously say, oh, yeah, I'm, I don't go there to feel relaxed. But I feel like it does have a very big impact. One of the because I start work really early, I've watched so many mornings of the sun coming up while on the beach. And it is so calming. And I look forward to it all the time, having a morning coffee, watching the sun come up over the beach, or if I'm working late shifts, watching sunsets or working events where I'm sure people have experienced this. I've experienced it at the Grand Canyon, but I experienced it a lot at work working late shifts. If it's an epic sunset, People will clap for the sunset because it's so beautiful, especially if there's like a concert going on or something. And I'm like, I always need to take a step back and be like, wow, I really take this for granted. Like, it is so beautiful out here. And sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, look at all these people clapping for the sunset. And I have to take a step back and be like, wow, I am so fortunate. I have to check myself and be like, yes, you should. That is a beautiful experience. Sometimes I do feel a little jaded. It's almost the opposite. I'm like, oh, the beach again. Another, the joke at works is, Another beautiful beach day here we go, you know, out there. But yeah, I think it does. I think it does have a really big effect on my mood subconsciously, though, for sure. Yeah, it is something I'm laughing at because I used to live probably relatively at the same part of, except I was further north in Venice Beach. And I started to get annoyed with it, mostly because there were so many crowds, like what you're bringing up. That really got to me over time. Speech can be dirty. There's been a lot of issues with crime or just various safety concerns. And yet I would try over and over again to appreciate it. But you have to look past some things at certain parts of California. But that's probably what drives me and makes the experiences of traveling so sacred is like seeking out those places where there aren't the crowds. Are you able to find that in your area? Like when I think of San Diego, I think of the city, the downtown, when I I think of the areas outside of it, but I still just see a lot of people and cars in my mind. I don't know much about nature beyond the water. Yeah. So actually in San Diego, there are a lot. We have Cleveland National Forest is right in our backyard and there are a bunch of campgrounds all along that. Julian's a really popular little town up there, but there are campgrounds surrounding all of that. And it's so funny you ask about the crowd thing is because luckily I have I work like a weird schedule. So I have some weekdays off. So sometimes I'll be able to get a campsite first come first serve or a reservation site like a Thursday and a Friday night. So funny, like thinking about this, the way that like a crowded campground feels versus when it's empty is completely different. So this just happened to me when I was at Laguna Campground two weeks ago. It got down to low teens, which is crazy for Southern California. I think it was like 14 degrees or something. But it was a Thursday night. I went up there and there was one other person camping at the all the way to the other side of the campground. 
And it was a full moon that night and it was beautiful and it was just so calming and peaceful and cold, obviously. But I just took it all in. And then the next night was a Friday night and it wasn't, a, it wasn't super packed, but there was definitely a lot more people. And it wasn't bad, but it was just a different vibe. But I know that some people think find that comforting, especially if you're a new camper, knowing that there's people around when you're out in the forest. So I could, I'm not like knocking on crowded campgrounds at all, but depending on where you are in your outdoor journey, I feel like when you spend more time outdoors and you find yourself being more comforted being alone, that was one of the very interesting things that I found in my research especially people that completed two to 400 miles of the Pacific Crest Trail, especially. So I did the, re- the research I did was right like a year or two after the book Wild came out, or was it the movie? I forgot, but I saw the PCT charts of people that attempted versus the year before, and there was an incredibly huge influx of people that tried to hike the trail. And everybody, when I was, once they got like to the two to 400 mile mark, was saying that when they first started, they felt extremely scared. Those are the first couple, you know, probably weeks because you're out there and you don't know there's nobody around for miles except for probably some other hikers because they're like in herds, but there's animals, blah, blah, blah. They just felt very vulnerable. And then once they got to like the, I, was, I think it was like the two to 400 mile mark, people said they started to feel like nature was like protecting them. And then when you had to go into town to resupply sometimes, especially people that go up to 700 miles, a thousand miles. They felt uneasy in towns and they felt like when they were going back on the trail, it felt like it's almost like I'm getting a goosebumps talking about it because I think it's just like such a beautiful experience. They were feel, felt like hugged, like protected by nature. And those are the people that had that most profound experience were the people that were the most scared at the beginning. So that's really interesting to say. So I feel the same way is I'm more afraid of people sometimes than I am about being alone out there. But like I said, if you are new to camping, it is really reassuring to know that if something happens, not even something scary, let's say you it gets too cold or you forget something or you get hurt, it is reassuring to know that there are people around. So it's two different experiences that are really interesting. Experience it from a hiker standpoint as well as a camper standpoint too, car camping. Yes, absolutely. And that is really an interesting thing that you don't really understand until you start doing it. And I'm still in the phase where generally, despite my preference to not be around crowds, when I'm actually camping and sleeping, I feel so much more comfortable in a crowded campsite because I feel like, okay, if something goes wrong, somebody could help me. They're going to hear me. I still have paranoia about, especially as a solo female traveler, usually I do these trips by myself. And that vulnerability is shifting slowly, but it's still there. And I have this interesting feeling around, okay, when you book a campsite, a lot of times you can reserve and I'll study the map. I'm like, okay, I want to read the reviews. Like I want it to be close enough to somebody else, but buffered enough where I have privacy. And that's like a tricky thing. One of your videos where you were sharing a camping resource that shows you all the reviews of each individual campsites. It's campsitephotos.com. I use that site all the time because I think it's literally, you know how the Google Google car drives around and takes pictures of the streets. There has to be something like that takes pictures of the individual sites. So that's really cool to see. Yeah, it's campsitephotos.com. Oh, cool. I was trying to remember that actually when I was planning one of my trips because I'll go on to recreation.gov, which is, I guess it's run by the government, thus .gov. And that's actually a really nice resource when you're staying at any government regulated site, which there are a ton. And I usually feel a little bit more comfortable there. Like 
in my mind, I think maybe these are safer. I don't know. It's interesting examining safety and thinking through all of these things that might just be misconceptions. And I've actually never stayed at any of the LM land areas, which are free. And that sounds super appealing, but I'm afraid to stay there because I'm thinking, oh no, like what if I'm the only one there? And like in the middle of the night, some random person shows up and I feel scared or would I feel comfortable if I was literally the only one there and I'm, it's just me in the middle of the woods. Like I'm not at that stage yet where that feels comfortable. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I still experience that, especially one of the stories I I tell people, because that's a question I get asked a lot. People are like, aren't you scared when you go out there? And for me personally, and I always tell this story to people, I can be in the woods or like the high desert completely fine, alone, not people for miles and miles. I think it was last year I went to the desert camping and it was on, I don't know if it was BLM land, but it was dispersed camping in the desert for the first time by myself. And desert nighttime is very different from mountain or high desert nighttime. I'm not going to lie. I freaked myself out. The way that the shadows come over the mountains and I was in this little valley, to this day, I can't really explain what it is. You just, and I think it is that vulnerability because when you're in the forest, I guess I kind of feel like protected by the trees. But when you're in the desert out there, there's nothing higher. Shrubs aren't like usually waist high or below your waistline. I put out my fire. It's so funny. in I put out my fire. I had my tent out and that's basically it. And I had everything packed in my car. And I was like, all right, if something happens or someone comes upon me, like I'm just going to be out of here in a second. So even being experienced, it's about, it, it really has to do with the environment. And I love being out there by myself. But since then, I've been back to de- the desert a couple of times. But knowing what, so being informed of what it's going to feel like and what the experiences I think can ease so much of the anxiety when it comes to camping. And I think that's where like, a part of my closing from my TikTok videos is keep it safe, keep it clean and keep yourself informed. Like this knowledge of those are the three pillars that I think that are required to have a good time. And I still have scary times out there too. It's not outgrow that you're depending on the environment, depending on the weather, it can get pretty scary out there. There's been times where me and my girlfriend have been out there and it was so windy. We were like, we have to leave. Like this doesn't feel safe. And we were up in one of the mountains and we were dispersed camping. So it was like a 45 minute drive at night. That's before I had proper ditch lights on my car. And I was scared driving down there. It was extremely windy. I was like, we're either we're going to get crushed by a tree or it's going to fall in the middle of the road down and then we're not going to be able to get down the mountain. Luckily, we made it down. But now I made some alterations to my setup since then. I have ditch lights now. I carry some type of saw just in case I can cut something that's in the road. So being prepared, like I know you're a big planner, can make stuff a lot better. And in a weird way, I think that for me personally, it allows for more spontaneity because you're ready for more things. So you can take more risks and be like, okay, wherever I go, I'll probably be okay because I'm a little bit prepared at least for sure. You're covering so many important elements of this. And that's part of where you have to do something in order to understand it or learn from it. Like, un- unfortunately, you never know like how big of a risk it is because I don't think I have a saw. I have a little axe, <laughs> but I've, I'm like a little afraid to use it because I don't fully know how to use the axe yet. And there's all this stuff that I just have to start doing it. I have to be shown. And it's so funny when you mentioned the wind, that was something else that I've only experienced one time. I was in Colorado in mid 2022 
And I remember reading about this area being a bit windy because it was up on this exposed mountain area, but none of the reviews made it sound that dangerous. So I thought, okay, cool. And I, of course, the night I went there, it was really windy. And I happened to be like trying to set everything up. And this woman came by who was staying there too. And sh- she was like, Hey, is everything okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm just a little afraid that like my car is going to be pushed off the side of this mountain. And she's like, nah, you'll be fine. But in my head, I was thinking like, wait a second, are these winds strong enough to push my car? Like I, I, w- I had never been in that experience. And so it was uncomfortable. And then I was wondering, is something going to fall on it? Is my car going to get all scratched up? I was fine. But there, I think in those moments, you see how powerful nature is for better or for worse. Like It's very humbling. (laughs) And it piques my curiosity about learning about the what-if scenarios, like you're saying the emergency prep and all of that. And there's just so much For somebody that enjoys learning, I think camping and traveling is one of the best educational opportunities for us. And I, with that being such a big part of your work, Roland, that's incredible. I think I'm going to look at your TikToks from a whole new lens after chatting with you and also thinking through other people. I imagine you know who I'm referencing, but I can't remember their account name. It's a couple that walked from Mexico to Canada and they, like the PCT. Oh, and they've done it in the canoe. Yeah, they have the canoe. They've do, done all those trips. I forget their name too. Yeah. I'll find them and I'll put them in the show notes. I think they triple crown. What's yeah. that mean? That So that's when you do like the Appalachian Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail, and the Continental Divide. I think they did all three of them. And then they did that crazy canoe trip, which was yeah. like longer than all of those combined. I was like, oh my gosh. And they have their system dialed. I know. And I didn't have a ton of exposure to people that did stuff like that until I found their account. And then I actually listened to the wild audiobook just a few months ago. And I had no idea how hard the PCT was. Like really so much ignorance around like what people go through. And I kept wondering, like, part of me feels like, I don't know if I could do this, so I'm not going to do it. And then another part of me thought, I don't know if I can do that. And that's a reason to do it. Like you discover so much about what you're capable of. And you're talking about these mental challenges of vulnerability and getting over fear and figuring things out and just surviving. And we don't have that many opportunities in the way that our society is set up. Especially if you're fortunate enough, because it does require that. And that's one of the things that was in my research. A lot of times people are doing this in very transitional stages of their life to begin with, because it takes you on average, what, five and a half to six months to do. So not only does the trip cost money, you have to be able to leave a job or something in that time frame. But it's such a everybody that has done it, I know for a fact, even people that I haven't interviewed said it's a hundred percent worth it. Because that transformative aspect, like what you were saying, it's weird because you have one we have one job out there, one foot in front of the other, and it's just to walk. The rest of it is just the head game. It's all decisions are made for you out there. So when you're in that space of, all right, I just gotta eat and walk. That's all I gotta do. Once all those are removed. And yet people are, by the time they stop, people are hiking for 20 plus miles a day. A lot of people don't even hike with music. 
So it's like, what is going on? What, <laughs> what, what's going on? I think the longest I've done is like a four or five day or I can't imagine being out there for six months. The mental game of pushing yourself while your physical body is just being literally people are burning 3000, 4000 calories out there eating as much as they can. Your physical body's just going through this turmoil and your mentality is just weak at sometimes. Then you hit a high point where like you get to a mile marker or somewhere. It's just such a roller coaster that's literally like coming out the other end is they it's like coming out of a portal like you're not the same person anymore and people experience like post hike depression they're like what am i doing with my life where am i going Re- i almost said reality feels weird the non hiking life your off trail life feels weird almost like dream state you were in so yeah i, I totally understand the do i want to do it can i so why i should do it that's a huge part of taking on that that huge that monumental endeavor for sure For me right now, that's exactly why I do my road trips. I remember in 2020, so many people wondering if it was safe for me to do as a woman, which was really interesting to ponder because I actually felt fairly safe. And it wasn't until other people questioned my safety that I started to feel unsafe. And you can, it's a big mental game, all of this. And that's probably why it feels so rewarding and so deep. And I'm not even, I'm doing that. What did you call it? The vehicle dependent, is that what it's called? Overlanding. Yeah. Yeah. You're overlanding vehicle dependent travel by my (laughs) definition. That's overlanding. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not even close to that extreme end of the PCT, for example, or I've never done the campsites where you take your tent out and you walk somewhere and you set up your tent far from your car. I don't even sometimes feel comfortable saying that I camp because I'm car camping. I have my heat on or my car has like Literally, the inspiration for me was the camp mode on the Tesla. I was like, oh, that sounds cool. Let me try it. I'm super grateful for it, but it's definitely on the borderline of glamping. It's not quite roughing it. But if I can get all these big benefits from doing that, my mind keeps wondering, wow, there's so much more to discover. And I I think that's probably part of the mental health side of all of these things you and I are both passionate about, Roland, is there's so much more. Like you, even for you, there's so much more of California to be seen. There's so much more for all of us if we can just step outside of our day-to-day lives and get into nature and spend more time outdoors. I'm just deeply grateful for the way you approach that through your work, Roland. And I'm sad that our conversation is coming to a close because I could just sit here for hours as we have. You and I have been talking for almost three hours straight today (laughs) because this is it brings a level of joy that I think you continuously tap into with your TikTok and your other content. I've been learning more about what you're doing on YouTube and just excited to see what you continue to put out there in the world and how our paths might cross in person. I want to take you up on the camping. I want to come down and see what it's like. Let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, that means so much. I'm glad that's coming across because I, I, like I said, that whole big step to outdoors, the first step's just your front yard. So I hope that's coming across. I'm having such a good time out there. Even one time I was at a campground with my alone, but I FaceTimed my girlfriend and I was FaceTiming and she's like, you just look so happy out there. I'm like, like a kid. I just think nature is just so healing and being out there. So yeah, definitely. And Anytime you want to go, LA's not that far. And I know of a couple of campsites up in that area you guys have as well. So 
It's such a great piece of inspiration because certainly for the two of us, we have Southern California, which I don't, I understand that's a privilege. There's so much here that we have that other parts of the country or the world don't have. But you've inspired me to just look outside my door and there's so many trails I haven't even been to out here. There's just so much to see. And like I mentioned in Cleveland, Ohio, which some people think is not that exciting part of the country, but they have a national park there that you can drive to and go to for free. So maybe this episode and maybe Roland's work on TikTok and other platforms will inspire the listener to just literally step outside, whatever that means for them, or look on a map and see what park you could go to or can you camp for free or can you pay $5 for a campsite and check it out and go with a friend or do some glamping. There's nothing wrong with glamping. (laughs) Yeah, and if anybody has questions, feel free to reach out to me like on Instagram where you can direct message me. I'm gladly, like I love having a smaller following right now because I can respond to those messages and help people find their campsites where they are. I'll do a little research for you if you're new, if you're experienced. Like I said, that's one of the things I love doing is finding campgrounds online. So I'll help anybody out for sure. And that is a great reminder to Roland, like with social media, as I often talk about on the show, there are so many benefits to having a smaller audience, a smaller following, whatever you want to call it, because you get to connect. And that's something I've been so grateful for, Roland. You probably wouldn't be on this show if it weren't for the connection we formed through the comments because I found your videos and you responded to me. So yeah, I try to respond to as many as I can. You are doing such a phenomenal job. You've made me feel... I've just felt connected to you. That's the best way I can describe it. So thank you for being here today. Thanks for creating that connection, offering that to me and many other people, I'm sure. And I think this is just the beginning. I told you before we started, we can always make a part two. So let's do it. Yeah, (laughs) such an honor to be on your show. Thank you so much. And for the listener, I'll make it super easy for you to find Roland, to look at the resources, like that TikTok couple that we can't remember their names, but it's on the tip of my tongue. I will put that, the books we've referenced, whatever else it is. I will include in the show notes at wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. That's the podcast section. You can also look below your podcast player in the description and there'll be links to Roland's TikTok as well as the show notes. There should be a link for that too to make it super easy so you don't have to... do a lot of clicking around to find it. And there's a transcript. You've had so many great quotable moments here, Roland, that I plan to turn into a TikTok, but I've also put in the blog post highlighted for anyone who wants to skim over some of the wonderful things that you've shared today. So thanks again for being here. I'm excited to see what those are as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah <that> <laughs> You might be surprised. I know. Like we were writing your bio earlier today together. This is part of the amazing collaborations that can happen through a platform like TikTok. So yeah, I had a great time. Like I said, we could probably continue this for hours. Thank you so much for having me. Whitney is amazing. Yes, yeah, my pleasure, Roland. So this is just the end for now. For now. <laughs> Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.